Are we recording? Yes, we are. Fantastic. Let's go. Hi, everyone. I'm Louisa. I'm a neurodiverse academic at the University of Reading, and I'm your podcast host for season three of Psychological. Psychological is a podcast that started during lockdown, and it aims to make an evidence-based contribution to conversations about child and adolescent well-being, development and learning, and neurodiversity. Today's Psychological is with Cathy Manning, who's a lecturer at the University of Reading. Cathy is on the phone with me today to talk about one of her recent papers, Visual Motion and Decision-Making in Dyslexia, Reduced Accumulation of Sensory Evidence and Related Neural Dynamics. Hi, Cathy. How are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me, Louisa. That's okay. That's okay. First off, we'll start with what you found. Could you tell me about what you discovered in this piece of research? Yeah, so in this um, study, we found that children with dyslexia were slower to accumulate evidence about visual motion information than children without dyslexia. And we found that this was reflected in their brain activity as well. Awesome. Okay, that sounds interesting. And what was it that motivated you to look at what you looked at? So there has been um, previous research that showed that children with dyslexia process moving information differently. So for example, in tasks where they're asked to work out the overall direction of moving dots, they tend to need more dots to be moving together in the same direction than children without dyslexia. Mm -hmm. Um, But in our study, we wanted to kind of find out more about why that's the case. Um, And in particular, to find out which stages of processing are affected in children with dyslexia. Okay, interesting. So how did you do the study then? How did you work out which stages it was that were affected? Yeah, so um, children, uh, we, we basically gave some tasks to children with and with a, without dyslexia who were between the ages of six and 14 years. And they were shown patterns of moving dots and asked to work out which direction the dots moved in overall. And we presented those tasks in child-friendly games that were set in inset land. Mm-hmm. And they pressed a button to say if the dots, uh, we called the dots fireflies, were going mostly to the left or the right. And they had to do that, that as quickly and accurately as possible. And we also asked um, children to wear EEG caps, which basically just picks up electrical activity um, from the scalp. Okay, interesting. Nice. So um, how did you do the analysis then? So what sort of analyses did you use to work out your results? <laughs> yeah, so we used a, um, a mathematical model um, called a diffusion model um, to analyse the accuracy and the speed with which children made their decisions. And this mathematical model basically allows us to break children's performance down into distinct processing stages. Um, and we then um, Uh, looked at the brain activity and we found a component of the brain activity that showed a sort of slow ramping up of activity as the child made their decision Um, and this was kind of uh, mainly over kind of the the middle of the head so um, electrodes on the top of the head and we then um, added this brain-based measure to our mathematical model and we found that Children were upset. so to children's um, behavioural performance was also linked to this brain activity. Mm-hmm. So children with dyslexia were slower to accumulate evidence um, from the motion displays, and this was also linked to them having shallower rates of increases in their brain activity. Awesome. 
Wow, that's really interesting. So what do you think um, we can learn from the study that you've done then kind of in relation to the dyslexia literature, perhaps? Yeah. So I think you know, this, this tells us more about kind of why it is that children with dyslexia have um, differences in how they process motion. Um, we still need to do some more work to find out whether the slower rate of evidence accumulation is seen specifically for motion information or whether it's also for other types of visual tasks or even other sensory modalities. Um, And we also need to work out whether these differences in visual processing and decision-making actually relate to reading. So does it have a causal role in how children learn to read? Um, So we don't know that yet, but what we can say at this point is that these results show us how the brains of children with dyslexia process information differently. And this is not just restricted to reading. So even in tasks that don't require reading, children with dyslexia show differences to those without dyslexia. Um, And it's important that we kind of bear these things in mind when supporting children with dyslexia. Okay, that sounds really interesting. Awesome. And then so what do you think um, kind of knowing more about what other areas are affected can maybe do in practice, perhaps for working with children with dyslexia? Yeah, so one, I mean, one um, one idea is that that um, differences in how children process motion actually kind of causally leads to differences in reading. And if we find that um, the differences uh, aren't restricted to just moving information, but also for static information, this would kind of really call into question that idea um, that there's a kind of causal role. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess more generally, like, so, so sort of knowing that children um, with dyslexia have difficulties um not not always but some like slight differences in how they process motion information and make decisions could be important in thinking about um you know how how they're processing motion in everyday life Mm. um so you know for things like crossing roads making decisions about whether there's time to cross a road for example um and it'd be nice to know if this is a sort of a general thing about how um children with dyslexia make decisions because that could be useful for thinking about how to support them kind of educationally as well yeah that sounds super interesting thank you um so what else are you kind of doing now then to follow on from this work or related to dyslexia mm. as well perhaps yeah so we're, we're now working on a project where we're um asking the dyslexia community so both people with dyslexia adults with dyslexia but also um Uh, family members and carers of those with dyslexia about what it is that they would like to be researched in the future and to find out whether those kind of priorities for research line up with the research that's currently being done um, as a way of trying to make sure that when we do research in the future that it's really targeted to the areas that kind of matter the most to people with dyslexia Um, so if, if anyone's interested in finding out more about that, do get in touch. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Have you identified areas so far that are important? No, so far we've just been looking at all of the funding um, yeah. that has been that has been um, sort of given out uh, in the UK so far and kind of categorising that. So working out where research um, money is going. Mm-hmm. And we're now just starting to, get, uh, to, to work on some focus groups. We can actually find out from the people with dyslexia and their family members and carers about whether that, you know, whether those, that what's currently um, that research uh, money is going to, is that kind of the right priorities? 
yeah that sounds really interesting yeah I'd be interested to hear more about that and I'm sure the listeners would as well so yeah get in touch with Kathy if you want to hear more that would be great um yeah I might ask you another question about the study and kind of go back actually so if you did the study again would you have done anything differently in the study that you did that we spoke about today hmm that's a good question. I think one of the things to note is that this study was done at the same time as an, an autism study. Um, so we were also looking at autistic children at the same time. So maybe some of the decisions that we made were kind of optimised for that, um, that kind of like the fact that we were also working with autistic children. So one thing is that uh, there's a lot of kind of disagreements about how, um, you know, you should diagnose dyslexia or kind of categorize your sample. And so some things that, I guess, discussions that we came up with, um, things like how to best match children with and without dyslexia. Um, In the future, I think it would be good to think about it more continuously. So just looking continuously at reading ability and seeing how that um, relates to the, uh, the measures that we get got from this study. Um, because I think there are problems with kind of trying to do um, kind of matching between um, people with and without dyslexia. Okay, yeah, so that's that's kind of interesting avenue for looking at similar things in future research. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds really good. And I guess the final question I'm going to ask you is, um, there's probably some early career researchers and students listening in today, so is there anything or any advice you would like to say to them? Yeah, I think... um, I would probably suggest kind of trying to uh, always keep in mind about like what you are, want to do for your career. So where do you want to be in the next two, three or five years time? Um, in, in particular, thinking like what kind of research would you like to do? What things would you like to apply for? And then to really think about how what you're doing now can kind of help you to get to that point. So I think just sort of keeping an eye on what it is that you really want to do, the more long-term goals, try and keep those in mind to try and, I guess, use your time efficiently to try and help yourself get to those um, kind of next career stages. Yeah, and I guess sort of seeking out maybe experience and things that is relevant to what you want to do. Exactly, exactly. Like, yeah, Um, not getting too not getting too sort of focused on say doing your PhD and thinking about all of the other additional opportunities that will help you to sort of get to where you want to be kind of career-wise. Yeah yeah that's really good advice. Yeah that was quite a quick episode today actually but (laughs) (laughs) very clear and concise answers so that was a very quick episode. Cheeky little episode for everyone today, little short one. Thank you Cathy so much for joining us to talk about your work today it was really interesting. Um you can find out more about Kathy and her work by following the links in the podcast description on Buzzsprout or in your podcast app. And join us again at the same time next week for another episode of Psychological. Bye. Bye. Thank you.